Hey, hey, welcome back. This is going to be a packed episode. We are going to talk about everything from Zoom fatigue to the feud between the Australian government and Facebook to how Spotify has introduced an audience network to leverage on audio advertising, why you should be careful about Clubhouse privacy policy and how M&M's is nailing a way to do multi-channel advertising. Also, we're going to see how Twitter is trying to reinvent itself in the midst of a new revolution in social media. All these and more in this episode of the Not Your Marketer podcast. Stick around. marketer Alberto Lempira, aka Lempi. Welcome back to the Nadia Marketer podcast. This is episode 15 from March the 1st, 2021. Thank you for joining me today. So this is the show where I talk about the latest news in marketing, business, and tech. I would love to hear from you and what you have to say about today's show. Today's show, by the way, it's loaded with headlines, so let's jump right into it. So the first one has to do with Zoom meetings and what is uh, Zoom fatigue, which is real, by the way. It has been uh, just confirmed by a study from Stanford University that Zoom fatigue is real and we are super susceptible to suffer from it. So this study, uh, which is the first peer review article to look into the psychological impact of spending too much time doing Zoom meetings or meet meetings or whatever video call system or platform you use, highlights on how stressful, stressful it is to stare at, at co-workers on a frequent basis. One of the things that um, they, they mention in the study is that uh, usually when you are in a meeting, you don't have or you don't maintain eye contact so prolonged for, for such a long periods of time and whenever you are doing a skype call or a zoom meeting uh, as the pictures of the participants of the call uh, seem to be larger and everybody's facing you you feel the need to to have to maintain the eye contact so that people can feel that you are paying attention to the meeting So according to an article from Morning Brew uh, that uh, talks about this, uh, they quote some of the a person of the of the study saying that when someone's face is that close to our to 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 ours in in real life, our brains interpret it as an intense situation that is either going to be uh, to lead to a mating or to conflict. So according to the news uh, released from from Stanford. Yes, we usually are more, feel more intimidated with a Zoom meeting. And this is why, I mean, there are many different things that also are involved in, into this. So, for example, during a, a meeting, uh, a regular meeting, you're going, you are not going to always be facing everybody that is speaking uh, because sometimes you can just uh, stand up from your chair, walk around the meeting room, whatever, grab something to eat, grab something to, to drink. And this is not the case whenever you do a video call because if you uh, started to walk, walk around your uh, office or your uh, house, p 
people are going to feel like you're not paying attention to the meeting, even though that you could have a loudspeaker, so you can have a pair of earphones uh, using. So one of the things that um, you have to keep in mind is that also uh, you can do things actively uh, to avoid being fatigued by, by video calls. One of the recommendations that they mentioned has to do with you, uh, I mean, having more, uh, being more comfortable uh, whenever you are seated in, in, in the room to have or to take some breaks to turn off the camera for a few minutes if the, if the meeting is going to be too long uh, so that you can have a, a moment for yourself to walk around, to get more comfortable. And another thing is also to avoid having that pressure to look at everybody that is uh, in the meeting, okay? So a few of the reasons why they mention these, uh, we suffer uh, uh, from, from fatigue, from having all these meetings. Uh, the number one is the excessive amount of close-up eye contact that I was mentioning before. Also seeing yourself during video chats uh, constantly in real time is fatiguing because that it has to do with something that is uh, called like, uh, I mean, you're going to be assessing how you look and if you are okay with the way, with the image, you, the image you're portraying. So another, another of the recommendation is to reduce the size of the screen so that you can see not only other participants, but yourself uh, smaller in the screen so that you don't pay that much of attention uh, for that. So also uh, the video chats reduce a lot uh, dramatically uh, mobility. And one of the things that I mentioned before also, I mean, you, you don't, you don't, you don't, usually you don't stand up from the seat if you're having the, the vehicle seated. Uh, so for those of you using uh, a stand-up desk, probably it's going to be easier um, to deal with this. But this also has to do, I mean, it's uh, tiring uh, 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 to, to the very least uh, for many people having to deal with many Zoom meetings on a regular basis. And also the cognitive load is uh, much higher in video chats because you will have to, when, whenever you're nodding uh, in real life, you don't have to be so uh, expressive. I mean, the movement can be subtle and you don't have to worry that anybody else is, I mean, that everybody is going to see that you're nodding, that you're following the conversation. Whenever you do that uh, during a video call, one of the things that happens is that you feel the need to overdo the movement so that it gets noticeable through the webcam and also uh, that it's tiring for, for everybody. So yeah, uh, these are some some of the things that the Stanford research uh, found out for that. I'm going to leave the link to the to the report on the um, on the show notes. So for any of you who want to dig a little bit further into, into this news. So the next thing has to do with the Facebook dispute with the Australian authority. So you know that uh, Facebook uh, has been dealing with some backlash from uh, blocking or banning all the news articles from the feeds in Australia because in uh, I mean, their, their, their idea was to showcase how impactful 
that uh, law or that legislation would be um, if the if it was passed. As a matter of fact, it was passed last week uh, to reduce. I mean, to make publishers. I mean, to make these platforms to pay the publishers for uh, the content that has been shared through the platform. However. From the Australian user point of view, what they see is that companies like Facebook do have a lot of power and a lot of leverage whenever uh, these content is shared on the internet. So the Australian uh, authorities uh, passed a law forcing Google and Facebook, among others, to pay news publications uh, every time their content is uh, shared on the platform. So. The thing here is that uh, it could be debatable. Is uh, should this be something? I mean, obviously, every co any content that is shared on uh, these platforms is going to be beneficial for the business and beneficial for the advertisement uh, industry or to to the, to the yeah to the advertising business. However, uh, n that doesn't mean that Facebook and Google are the ones doing the sharing of the content per se. So the debatable thing here should be if Facebook and Google should pay, I mean, if these platforms should pay for whatever content their customer, their users are sharing on, on them, uh, which is not necessarily so straightforward. The thing here is that Facebook has already accepted that it's going to pay uh, over a billion U.S. dollars to uh, publishers in an effort to settle down this issue and to to guarantee that the platform is going to be open, kept open for users to share any content they like. So another news, uh, and this comes from Spotify. Spotify has unveiled a new audio ad marketplace. Uh, and this is just the latest, um, the latest, uh, latest approach or the latest step from from this uh, music streaming giant into monetizing the podcast, especially the podcast uh, environment. So uh, this marketplace is going to simplify the process of running ads across the different properties from uh, from Spotify. So they are going to have. A, what it's called an audience network uh, that it will allow marketers to manage campaign across the streaming ad supported music offerings, podcasts, and on content from Megaphone and Anchor. Uh, the network includes tools designed to engage listeners during screenless moments um, because the idea of this marketplace is to leverage not in the moment that where, where people are watching two videos or visual content on the app, uh, but they, instead, the other way around. And one of the things that they are also making available is, is that uh, targeting and addressability products such as, as Spotify streaming ad insertion, which is also known as is AI uh, for podcasts. So this is also uh, how Spotify is dealing with uh, reducing a little bit the fragmentation into the audio advertising market. Uh, because they keep evolving and they keep gathering many, many different assets that are, are available for um, advertisers and for marketers. And this is also going to be interesting because 
Uh, it's making easier than, I mean, than, than ever, introducing ad audio ads in a very seamless way. And this could be, well, I mean, super beneficial for many, many advertisers and brands that would like to connect with their audience in a different format than the, those traditional video and picture that we are so used to. So talking about audio, I found an article from Inc. Magazine that is uh, talking about uh, how Clubhouse is recording our conversations and how that is not even the worst privacy problem of uh, this new social network. So in this article, they mention uh, a few, they list a few things that may be wrong with the poly, the privacy policy of Clubhouse. So the first thing has to do that uh, with the fact that Clubhouse is recording all the audio conversations and uh, it is as for the user, from the user point of view, uh, the one of the main features of the social network of this social network is that it is ephemeral, just as we used to have from the other social platforms like Snapchat. These uh, recordings, I mean, these rooms, the conversations in between the rooms has been recorded because according to uh, the app's privacy policy, uh, it is solely for the purpose of supporting incident investigations. So we temporarily record the audio in a room while the room is live. If a user reports a trust and safety violation while the room is active, we retain the audio for the purposes of investigating the incident and then delete it when the investigation is complete. If no incident is reported in a room, we delete the temporary audio recording when the room ends. That is, uh, quote unquote, what the privacy policy says. So the thing here is that if you have any troll or if, if anyone, even by mistake, reports a problem, that conversation, that conversation is going to be recorded and it's going to be kept until, uh, well, we don't know exactly who is going to be do the investigation. But yeah, so another thing that they mentioned is that you cannot delete your personal information or other people's sh or what other people share about you. So that could be a loophole that goes against the GDPR, especially with the GDPR, because one of the things that you have under the GDPR law is that you can, uh, you should be able to get all the information that any any third party gathers from you or about you, and you can ask them to delete them uh, definitely, okay, or forever. So you cannot this do this, and also they can you cannot delete just delete the account. Uh, the, the the account cannot be deleted uh, without sending an email to a support account. They can share your personal information without notifying you. And uh, also they mentioned that Clubhouse is tracking us. So the privacy policy says uh, that it uses cookies, pixels, and tracking technologies to monitor what you do within Clubhouse and across the web, even though they are currently monetizing the app. This is quote unquote, uh, the article from uh, Inc. Magazine. So the company's privacy policy also explicitly says 
We may share identification data and internet activity data with social media platform and other advertising partners that will use that information to serve you targeted advertisements on social media platforms and other third-party websites. Under certain, certain regulations, such sharing may be considered a sale of personal data. End of quote. So in this, I found this article uh, interesting because uh, obviously uh, it's one of the most popular social networks right now, and it has been introduced a new element to the scene, the audio, sharing audio, and uh, connecting with some other users in just an audio base. And also I saw another another article from Wired that has to do with how there is an ecosystem of businesses that has been leveraging on Clubhouse popularity. So there are many, many different tools that has been uh, getting, I mean, rising from, 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 from the ground, like Ask Clubhouse, Clubpad, Clubhouse Recorder, DirectCon, um, Shorting Club. So all those features or all, all those tools, features, um, some ways to connect and enhance the experience that you have on Clubhouse, especially they are more leaned towards helping the host of rooms instead, rather than just uh, the people that is going to be listening to rooms. However, these uh, apps are usually uh, a paid service. So they, I mean, this article from Wire, I found it interesting because right now when uh, Clubhouse is not actually or currently monetizing the content, the content, the content and the concept, uh, we have so many other businesses around uh, doing the monetization and getting a lot of money from that app. So this is something to keep an eye on. So a new kitty is in town or coming to town in video streaming platforms. So we have mentioned before about Discovery Plus, Disney Plus, and right now we are talking about Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus is a Viacom CBS streaming service uh, that is going to overcome a substitute what is known in the U.S. as CBS All Access. Uh, and it's going to have, I mean, a lot of exclusive content from, I mean, old and new names. One of the things that they are going to do, they are going to reboot a lot, a lot of classics like Frasier, like Rugrats, like Beavis and Butthead. I mean, there are going to be so many old shows they are going to get a new... Uh, I, mean, I mean, even a live-action Dora the Explorer series is going to uh, be streamed on these platforms. So, again, one of the things that is interesting, because if we, if we take a look back at Netflix, Hulu, um, Disney+, HBO... Uh, now, and then we see how these uh, Discovery Plus, Paramount Plus, Paramount Plus is going to have an ad-supported uh, tier from uh, that is going to start at $599 in the U.S. The interesting thing about this is that uh, they're going to introduce a self-serve advertising platform for, that is going to be available for all advertisers to run campaigns just like you can do on Hulu. So this is uh, an interesting bet because if you take a look at Disney, for example, Disney with Disney Plus, they didn't want to 
uh, go into the ad supporter uh, ad supported uh, tier for I mean to, to have to, or to offer a reduced price subscription. And obviously, this is something that Netflix has been refusing to do many times before. But we have some other players that, I mean, Hulu, they have an ad supporter uh, tier, which is uh, incredibly, uh, is, in, is doing incredibly good. And also, Par Paramount Plus trying to do the same thing. Another thing that is interesting about Paramount Plus, and it, it, that it is more similar to what Hulu does, is that it's going to also have a live streaming tier that is going to be the most expensive of them all, but this is also opening themselves into a new, a different market because with Disney Plus, with HBO, you don't have access to that. However, or with Peacock, you can, you, you, you can do have that uh, as well. Uh, but this is just uh, another bet. So we have, we are seeing a lot of fragmentation as we have discussed in some previous episodes. Um, Probably we are just nearing that breaking point where we are going to see some platform or services that are going to gather many of these uh, platforms for a reduced price just for the sake of offering or getting a larger uh, user base. So we have to wait and see, but uh, Paramount Plus is going to be uh, debuting on March the 4th. Uh, and on June, they're going to have the ad supported uh, tier available for everybody. So we'll have to uh, wait and see until this launches and see how it behaves and what is the future uh, like for, for the streaming platforms. So last week, Twitter introduced or announced that it, it was going to introduce what is known, what is going to be known as Super Follows which is going to be the take of uh, Twitter to monetizing content is going to be probably more like what you see on Patreon or what you see on YouTube with the subscriptions uh, from a special subscription that you have to pay for. So the thing here is that they have mentioned that it's going to be available for, um, for users that want to monetize the content and to give access to exclusive content to their followers. So you will have to, I mean, to do a super follow, you will have to pay a monthly subscription uh, and it's going to give you access to that um, specific content. So this comes in a, in a moment where Twitter is also testing out Twitter spaces, their take on these uh, voice only rooms like, which is in my uh, in my opinion, the user interface is way nicer because you have like reactions that you can have from the audience that you don't have on Clubhouse yet. However, um, one of the things that uh, can be worrisome about these super follows and how to make these uh, exclusive content available, it has to do with how do you showcase that content. Because one of the things that you have on uh, Twitter is that everything is based on the feed. And that is not the same when you think about this new kind of uh, way of con uh, sharing content, right? I mean, if you have access to your Patreon, you will have a space to share more enriched content, links and whatever that you can embed there. You can embed private YouTube videos and so forth. Uh, however, how it's going to be managed and how it's going to be implemented by Twitter, 
I would say that is going to, the key, I mean, there, that is where the key is going to be reliant for if this is going to be successful. However, I find I find it interesting how aggressive Twitter has been so in, in the past few months, uh, working in this new set of features, working in this new set of, or like opening a new horizons and opening new to new opportunities to to leverage and to get different kind of users. Uh, I I'm really happy for that because you know that I mean I love competitions. The the more competition you have in a market, the better is going to be the outcome for the for the end user because you're going to have better solutions. You're going to have um, most innovation and more innovation for 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 that for that matter and. This is. I would say that this is just the tip of the iceberg. I would say that we are going to start a new revolution on doing these. Uh, I, I mean, from the social media platform's point of view, and how they create new features that are going to leverage on how content or how different the content consumption behavior is right now from the customer point of view. So to wrap this episode up, I wanted to share with you uh, a great campaign from M&M's that I that I found so so interesting. So this is a multi-channel campaign that they have launched, relaunched because they have been doing this before. They have launched uh, a limited time messages packaging with uh, that has like these like QR codes that whenever you scan them. Uh, with your camera app, you have access to an audio streaming platform, I mean, to a playlist on the audio streaming platform, Spotify. Um, so this is something that is interesting. There are 28 different M&M's messages pack uh, that have like different phrases like, have a great day pretending to do work, uh, to make you feel like a boss, a slager, and so many things. And obviously you have uh, a playlist that goes right with that message. And according to uh, an article from Marketing Dive, in addition to that integration with Spotify, M&M's plans to show some of those messages on Stock Car Driver, uh, Kyle Busch's number 18, M&M's Toyota Camry, when it races at Atlanta Motorway, Motor Speedway, um, Bristol Motor Speedway next month on uh, NASCAR. So yeah, this is just another great example of a multi-channel campaign uh, done by a very well-loved and known brand from the fast-moving consumer good industry. Well, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for joining me today. I don't know if I'm going to be able to upload an episode next Monday because I'm going to be in the middle of a moving. I'm changing places and I will keep you posted whatsoever. Thank you for joining me once again. Uh, you know that this is a one-man show, so I need to do all the producing and all the editing and all stuff. If you want, uh, please share this episode with someone that you think may find it useful. Uh, and if you like it, please remember to subscribe and to review. Please be safe. See you next time. Lempy out. <laughs>